Hey there, boys and girls, and all you other listeners. Because the binary is just a social construct, and you can be something other than a boy or a girl. You can be an adult listening to this show. I remember this cassette, the podcast about remembering old... By that I mean movies I haven't seen in a while, so I guess that makes them old. guess it makes me old. I'm your boy Kyle, and this is a podcast that has been around for about six months now, and... I'm very happy to announce that the distribution, uh, I finally caved and submitted it for distribution after six months of waiting, because I didn't want to be one of those losers, or not losers, but people that weren't ready to dedicate themselves to consistent content making, but I've got nothing better to do with my life. So I figured, you know what, screw it, let's submit it and see how people feel about this kind of a podcast, and they all said yes, so now there's a lot more distribution on this podcast going on, and I'm really excited about it. You can listen to me on the Spotify's and the, uh, God, what is there, Google Podcast. I'm looking through it, like, right now, what I've got. Spotify, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Breaker, Spotify, I already said that one. And what's that last one? Pocket Cast, baby! And maybe some more by the time this comes out, because now that I'm getting my ass called out on when I publish episodes rather than when I start recording them, I am now starting to pre-record episodes so I can hopefully drop them on Wednesday. So, for those die-hard goobers, which is my made-up word that I said listeners of this podcast are, so... Yeah, I'm all about labels, baby. So all you diehard goomers, just get your Wednesday sometime set up. I I still can't promise that I'm going to drop them first thing on Wednesday, but got to do what I got to do. But that's where things are. Things are changing. Maybe some more people are listening. And I bid you welcome to the show wherein I remember cassettes, if the name wasn't any indicator on basically the premise of this show. I'm pragmatic to a fault. I'm not going to say... A clever little title that isn't what the show's really about. No, this is I, Kyle, remembering this cassette. This cassette being the episode of the week. Wow, it is raining really hard in my rolling motel of a van. Because I I record everything out of a van. I don't have a studio. I don't have anything. If the weather's shite, that's the way it's going to go. And it's only going to rain harder. (laughs) Oh my golly forces of God and anime are insisting I don't do this episode because, ah, spoiler alert everybody, I know I like to play clever mind games with y'all about what movie I'm going to do and I like to keep you in suspense. So I've been talking about my distribution, but yes, yes everybody, we're doing it, we're finally doing it, we're wandering into (laughs) anime. So... Yep, it's really good that I'm bringing all these people on, saying I'm I'm this ordinary person that has a decent social life. Uh, but nope, nope, and then just flip the script and say I'm talking about anime. But it, it's pseudo-anime. It's not like full-on arcanium stuff that has a very... I don't want to say psychotic. Dedicated, there you are. Dedicated thing. No, this is bullshit, widely distributed 
come up cooked up in a boardroom to make a lot of money type of anime. So if we're going to count that. Uh, I, I needed to go with something lighter and loftier after the ultraviolet excursion of Inspector Gadget two weeks ago. Which, uh, by the way, uh, in the new distribution format, uh, my chapters aren't listed. Uh, I feel we're far enough removed from there now to say, yes, it was an April Fool's joke. And the chapter's first letter spelled out April Fool's. So, for those approaching that or leaving that in a state of utter confusion, I have accomplished my mission but I did try and clarify it by saying how every episode chapter was spelled out. And then it changes a week later, go figure. And then after the uh, underlying rationale of somebody dying in making last week's episode, I needed to do something lighthearted and fluffier. And there's nothing more lighthearted and fluffy and widely appealable and emotionally empty and vapid and blarg than the ska-riddled... Oh, oh, and by the way, audience, uh, since I just record this from a phone, not in a fancy studio, sometimes I leave the sounds of my phone on, and you'll hear that sound. That's the way it goes. I try to address before it gets too bad, so I have already muted it. But thank God for that, we have stalled the inevitable for another 35 seconds. So we're entering the ska infused, anime-influenced, cooked up in a boardroom, let's cook the heels of Pokemon and Tamagotchi and Japanimation and Japan everything, and talk a little bit about the Digimon. And the movie, I say that uh, with quote-unquotes around my hands, except one of them is holding my phone, the Digimon quote-unquote movie. Um, it was something I absolutely had on cassette, watched a fair amount in the early aughts, or 2000s, or whatever the nomenclature for it is, and then, like anybody else, once Digimon stopped being a fad around 2003, I never touched the movie again, so we've got a good 15 years on this one, but let's, uh, delve a little bit more into the history before we delve a little lot more into the quote-unquote movie about the Digimon. So at this point, my friends, I am given the delightful experience of trying to explain what the ever-loving shit Digimon was. So, this movie doesn't quite encapsulate the entire Digimon narrative because it was trying to be something that Digimon was not. So I also have to explain like what the hell this is going on inside of the entire Digimon mythos. So, once upon a time, there was this thing called Pokemon. It came from Japan, it took the entire world by storm in the year of our alleged lord, 1998. Shortly after that, uh, and shortly after, I believe Warner Brothers was the one that got in on that gravy boat and grabbed that money-making machine by its pokeballs and made a shit ton of money on it, because they were the ones that always had the... Uh, the Pokemon show running on their affiliate stations, Kids WB, on Sunday morning as of 2000, which is when the Digimon movie came out. Um, they had done all that. And so, in response, the other five, now four companies, 
needed to grab something from Japan that had a at least similar-ish sort of narrative and run with it because you needed something. You needed something to take on Pokemon and the Tamagotchi dynasty that was roaring through the systems in 1998 as well. And amongst the fears of Y2K that encapsulated and enthralled American culture in the late, really late 90s, it would seem that Fox, in their infinite wisdom, were the ones that took a hold of Digimon, which, because it had the last syllable of Mon, which is Japanese for a monster, which, admittedly, that was correct in both Pokemon and Digimon, though they're ultimately two different things. Don't tell that to 10-year-old me. I would have thought Digimon was a ripoff of Pokemon, which it ultimately wasn't, but it ultimately, ultimately was. Now, um, Digimon was... Fox Kids' answer to Pokemon, I guess, which was Kids WB's answer to Warner Brothers grabbing Pokemon licensing rights in the United States. So, uh, there's a lot of Fox Kids stuff there, and I, I ultimately, while people say there was Nickelodeon Kids, Disney Kids, and Nickelodeon uh, Cartoon Networks Kids. I was ultimately stuck on Fox Kids Kids because that was the Saturday morning equivalent and my dear sweet mother, uh, she was insistent on Kids Culture Day should be Saturday morning, which is why in the late 90s, I was watching Goosebumps, which is why I'm obsessed with Goosebumps. But a couple years later, Saturday morning, after Goosebumps had gone by the wayside, we had Digimon on Saturday mornings it, from about 99 till, again, 2002 when it fell out of relevance, a.k.a. I stopped caring. But um, Digimon was there. It is the story of X amount of kids, X being a number between 5 and 8, depending on what season you're in, who amongst the interest of the internet taking over the United States lexicon were children that were at a summer camp one fateful summer's day and for some reason that I don't remember because I didn't really watch the first part of the first season of Digimon got sucked into this alternate universe known as the digital world where they made their friends now ultimately they do explain this in the uh, theme song extended version, which I didn't have the soundtrack for this because I was too busy with the soundtrack for the Pokemon movie just like everybody else, but we needed an alternative. So, um, they go from summer camp to some place that isn't quite the internet because the internet's next season. They go uh, to this place called the Digital World where they make their friends and they have to stop this thing from making everything worse for everybody because they have to fulfill this chosen one narrative, except it's the chosen X number of people, which changes from, again, six to eight, depending on what season we're in. And they save the day uh, in the summer of 2000, and then the next season starts in the late summer of 2000, and we're introduced to these other characters that have to go onto the actual internet, which is different from the digital world, my dear audience. It's really complicated. It's really convoluted. But they had to come up with a second season. 
And the second season involves the for real internet and people like going all code Lyoko up in here. Wow, that is a deep grab of a reference. But it's basically season two of Digimon is the plot of Code Lyoko. But don't worry about the plot of season two of Digimon. It really doesn't matter because they ignore the point of the plot that they were at because I think everything was said and done in the Digimon movie, but they couldn't reveal the plot of the last two thirds of season two of Digimon, dear audience. So uh, everything that is in the Digimon movie is not a movie, which is why I say quote unquote. It's because it was an OVA, which is just sidebar movies that still involve all the characters, but isn't related to the um, canon of the anime or manga or what have you. I don't know. I'm not an anime person, but um, it ties in and is a cool like add on to the stuff, but it doesn't relate to the plot of the show that's airing on Saturday morning on Fox Kids. So you can ignore all of it, but the whole thing is it's three movies. One's 20 minutes, one's 40 minutes, one's 60 minutes. And I will get through all of those, but they, they cut for commercials, so it ultimately comes to an 80-minute movie. So it's probably closer to like 15, 30, 40, whatever. You can tell what the longer part of the movie is, but because of the way that I structure this podcast, it's not going to come out like that. But the point of the story is, before the movie starts, you get this appearance from the fever dream queen that is Angela Anaconda, which was a show that apparently aired on Fox Kids on Saturday mornings, but nobody remembers it because it was such a strange, arcane show that nobody could understand or comprehend without ending up in a madhouse, which is where Casanova has spent the last 20 years. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I flipped my mind into a completely different movie, but Angela Anaconda was weird and it laid the groundwork for Adult Swim. Don't worry about it. Forget about the whole thing. Let's get to the opening credits of the Digimon movie, okay? All right, let's go. Fifo, fifum. After that gorgeous mess escapes our eyeballs and our memories, because it's one of those almost cryptozoological thing. Not cryptozoological, but crypto pop culture things that once it escapes your mind's eye, it escapes your mind forever and you don't know what happened, but it's over, it's done with, now let's never talk about Angel Anaconda again, because we have got the opening credits, wherein they have the Digimon theme song, but (laughs) because it's the year of our alleged Lord 2000, they gotta have a rap, baby! So, uh, it's basically you got the Digimon, Digimon, then when they have the your, your Digimon digital monsters, them being champions of the US of A or whatever. They, they have some verses that they didn't have between there because having rap artists or just an in-house rapper uh, provide no exposition or anything but just something to win over the cool kids because, I mean, if you're here... You're already either a Digimon fanatic or a Digimon fanatic's harangued parents who just wants a moment to wish they had a cigarette. So, either way, you're up to speed. Or you're as up to speed as you need to be. So they they don't need anything but rap. But then we start the movie by, quote-unquote movie, by having uh, the origin story, because that's exactly what they did in Pokemon the first movie, Only in this one, it's just, look, we don't want to make any new material. We don't want to make any theatrical movie things, which I believe, for what it's worth, 
like a few of the first Pokemon movies, if not all of them, have a higher production value. No, not not Digimon. Though Digimon does have higher production value than your garden variety Digimon episodes. Um, they just they digiphoned it in and just put together three OVAs, which are just vignettes, if you will, and stitched them together. Digi stitched them together and made a film, allegedly. Uh, the first one is the event that made the the chosen ones, because again, youth adult orientation on pop culture has to have a, a, a chosen one narrative, otherwise it'll never sell. And I guess the same thing goes for television programs. And uh, so it's got all your all your favorite kids, except for the ones that are in the new season, because this was made well before the new season. Uh, hanging around in their apartment complex, you've got kids that are brother and sister, happily married parents. The, the parents of two of the kids are happily married. Two of the parents of two of the kids aren't happily married and will divorce before the events of the series. And then you got the other four. Um, the whole thing is they're just sitting around chilling in their apartment complex when, um, a meteor lands in, uh, Ty's pool. Ty being, of course, the leader with the glasses, and because he's got the goggles, he's the most important character. That is just a Digimon rule. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know who Digi-enforces it, but that's the way it is. So, um, it shows up. Uh, it hatches into a baby, a Tamagotchi-like thing, because Digimon was definitely made on the heels of Tamagotchi, which, if you know you're Japanese, and I don't, but I looked it up to your audience, uh, I, uh, Digi-translated it, Tamagotchi just means egg timer, and that just blows my Digi-mind. I mean, Digi blows my mind, sorry. Digi comes before the verb. Come on. Anyway, so it goes through all of its evolution, digivolution forms that we, the audience, are already aware of. Um, but it, you get Rockefeller Skank by, uh, what's his nuts? Fatboy Slim. So it's cooler now. But he hangs out with it. Uh, I think it takes shits somewhere, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, by the time it reaches its Agumon form, which, by the way, it's not the same Agumon from the series. It's a very different Agumon just to absolutely confuse people that think they know what's Digi going on. But, um, yeah, it evolves. It's larger than usual, but usual is relative speaking because they, the children, don't know what's going on yet because it's four years before the events of the series. By the way, they declare this is eight years before the events of now. They have, like, this... Whenever they're going between movies which they are, they just give some exposition on time passing, which is ultimately bullshit, but I'll get to that when they go between parts two and three, dear audience. Uh, anyway, so it evolves again. It develops motor skills and verbal skills, and they become best friends. But because they become best friends, uh, things have to be cast starly asunder. Digicast starly asunder. When uh, some bird puke shows up and starts wreaking havoc on the apartment complex. And while it was originally just Ty hanging out with the, uh, with the Digimon and his sister, uh, soon all eight of the important people see it going on. There's this big epic battle that I don't need to digi-describe because eh, this is, again, an audio medium. But look, uh, it turns into Greymon, which is the dinosaur-looking dude. And the dinosaur-looking dude, only instead of it being 
maybe eight feet tall that normal Greymon is. This one is like 30 feet tall. It becomes just basically a digi kaiju battle, which is pretty cool. And because eight kids and absolutely nobody else saw these 30 foot behemoths squaring off against one another, they got marked by, they got digi marked by uh, the digi gods of digi fate to say, yep, they're going to save the digital world four years from now, but we're not going to cover that in the movie. But yet they saw it. They high-fived. They forgot about it because they got their memories digi-erased. But it still marked their, them as the cool kids that will save the day. And that's it for part one because it was only like 15 minutes. And I've somehow spent all this time describing it. But yeah, that's it for Digi Part 1 of the Digimon movie, which is just more like Digi Pulp Fiction, but whatever. Part 2 takes place four years after the events of Part 1, but four years before the events of Part 3. I hope you're not too Digi-confused, because you're going to be. So Segment 2 takes place after the events of Season 1, but four years after the events of Part 1 of this movie, but four years before the events of Season 2, which take place three years after Season 1. So basically, this is a year after Digimon Season 1 ends. So uh, they had finished their summer's camp, had been permanently separated from their digital companions, and just had one wild and crazy summer. But now they've had um, another year of school not wild nor crazy but it is the end of another school year and the beginning of another exciting summer where you hang out with your friends online the the, the song it's been one week by bare naked ladies plays over because this movie relies very heavily on having a bunch of pop music to play because i guess the kids can't the american kids can't handle a life without surprising music playing every now and again with the shiny objects and colorful critters that keep their eyeballs abuzz. They gotta have their ears abuzz, too, and they gotta sell some freaking soundtracks because that's where the money is, and they know this Digimon boat is not the Titanic... Okay, Titanic and boat should not be in the same sense when talking about success. The monolith that is Pokemon. Digimon is just a lifeboat and a life raft, so they gotta gr get all their grubby paws on all that sweet, grubby turn-of-the-century millennium money and play friggin' ska music because that's gonna be aging like an avocado or a banana or a steak as well. So let's just lump it all together and play the one-week song from Bare Naked Ladies. And surprisingly, that's not the most egregious offender of that song has had a relapse in meme format. But we'll get to the that when we get to that, dear audience. But um, Ty, who I mentioned earlier as the leader of the pack, the wearer of the goggles, uh, is going home from school. He is text messaging Sora, who is the Amy Rose of the group, if Ty is the Sonic. Um, they are at odds with one another because I believe Sonic threw up in Amy Rose's hat. So, they aren't on speaking terms. Sora will not be showing up in this part of the movie. We will not be passing the Bechdel test today. I'm sorry. Also, Mimi's in New York, so we're not even going to talk about her. But Sora will at least appear in a text message format because text messaging was totally a thing in the year 2000. Because it's all about the advent of technology and the crazy Wild West World Wide Web. That is five W's, everybody. Um, but he's going home to his, his mama's place which we saw in the first part of the movie, but it, our, our, our main man Izzy 
who's the, the tech genius, which I guess makes him the miles tails per hour of the group, is hooking up a dial-up connection so Ty's mama can get onto the interwebs. So they're hanging out together. Uh, they are friends from summer camp last year. They like, went to different schools because Ty is just a regular old junior hire and Izzy is a computer genius who's in, like, Japanese Harvard or something at the age of however old he is, which I want to say, throw a dart at the wall, nine. Right. So uh, he hooks up the internet successfully, says, hey, I've, I've got this really cool thing going on. Get your, get, your, get your head out of talking to girls, Ty. I am hooking up the internet, and we are going to do something really amazing. <laughs> that doesn't sound like him at all, but that's that's him now. Um, he hooks up the internet, and guess who's there? It's Agumon and Mechatentamushi who are there saying, Hey, you're, you're, we went to the digital world, but the digital world is also hooked up to the internet. Surprise, surprise. And they're saying, Hey, what are you doing here? Yeah, we're hanging out on AOL Instant Messenger, they say as they look at the audience and say, Now available for everyone to try out in the year 2000. Wink, wink. So, um, yeah, Ty and Izzy are talking with their friends online, but the mom, Ty's mom, or maybe it's Izzy's, I don't know, whoever's house they're at, the mom is just saying hi to the friend that's not the one that normally lives there, are saying, are you, are you talking to people online? You're not supposed to be strange or dangering. I've read about it in the 700 Club or whatever the Japanese equivalent of the 700 scaremongering parents is. Um, don't do anything stupid. All right. Hey, uh, says Agumon and or Mechatenamushi. Uh, you should, uh, meet our friend, but don't talk to him too much or feed him after midnight. Don't feed him bagel data bites. And it's just this little baby thing. It just keeps saying, hello, 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 hello. Please stop spamming. Spam is bad for you. And it then digivolves right there. Like, oh, wow. Um, yeah. And then it digivolves like a second time really quick. And they're saying, oh, oh, shit. This thing's a virus. Um, I think we're getting LimeWired right now. E was LimeWire a thing in 2000? It is now. And uh, they're just trying to keep this thing at bay before it becomes yet another trading card that you can get in stores and sell more merchandise because the entire objective of the Digimon movie, dear audience, is to get as many characters to appear as possible so they can sell trading cards. That is the obstinate purpose of the Digimon movie, that and uh, advertising ska music and being the most, this sure is American pop culture for children in the year 2000 time capsule ever around. Which, so far, dear audience, it's succeeding. But, oh, shit, it is reached its mega form, which is uh, Digimon go from baby to rookie, Digivolve to champion, and ultimate two, and then there's Mega, uh, which this guy has turned into, and now he has a deep evil voice, and it turns out, because he has a deep evil voice and presumably angry eyebrows, he is uh, pretty evil. No, no, he's that cool spider thing, never mind. He, he's the cool spider thing, and they know that he's bad, because he's an ultimate. He comes a mega in the next chapter of this podcast, which I'm going to start now. So at this point, um, the Digimon are all attacking him, but because he's an ultimate level, uh-oh, it's really difficult for them, them to attack, and for 
Digimon to get past their rookie form, they need their companions, which are the people in the real world, to use their Digivice thingamajingies. And uh, they don't have those because they're in the real world and they all collectively left their Digivices in the digital world like it was a wallet before the portal sealed up forever. So they're having to make do and they're having to get clever. But then Izzy has this grand idea of, you know, why don't we, why don't we just send ourselves into AIM? I mean, I, I made this crazy device that'll send us through... No. 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 I think... Oh, Digivices are your keyboards, everybody. I'm really starting to think that the Digimon movie was just an advertisement for kids to start using broadband. It was put there by big cable and internet service providers to show the wonderful things that you can do. Uh, meantime, in the meantime, they tried to attack him, but because they're giving him more attention and data and eyes on him, he then evolves into his giant evil form, and he his, the virus starts hacking the planet. Um... Note to self, if I ever figure out how to get stuff in post, give an echo on that one, because he's starting to hack the planet. Um, microwaves start acting weird, so Joe, one of the Digidestin, the real nerd, nerdy type that isn't the cool, like, tech genius that Izzy is. He's just a medical book smarts type. Uh, he's also trying out to get into Japanese Harvard before the age of 13, and that's all he's doing, doing during the movie, so he doesn't get to hang out with his cool... Sea Lion with the orange mohawk, who is awesome, but Joe's not around. Sora's not around. Izzy's not around. Izzy is around. Who is around? But no, uh, the ones that aren't accounted for are friggin' Matt and TK, which is Knuckles and Knuckles' plucky little brother that only exists in Digimon because I am going ham on this Sonic parallel. Because why not? Um, they're somewhere. I think they're divorced parents are having a family day out, uh, but Ty text messages Matt saying, you gotta, you gotta get on this internet thing, uh, our Digimon are hanging out, and they're about to get, like, you know, killed. And I believe you have the power of friendship to summon Captain Planet, but we need everybody, and you're clearly the second strongest in the group. You're the knuckles to my Sonic, and you're clearly the strongest one that can help us rid this menace. And then they start hacking, and then uh, it also just says hello on every phone. Like, every phone ever rings, if I recall. And I always hope that someday, when watching the Digimon movie, the phone would ring at that point. It never did. But, yeah, every phone rings, and all this data is being sent in to uh, the bad evil dude that's talking. And he then becomes even stronger and says, Hey, good news, everybody. I'm starting to replicate myself and call more people. Oh, by the way, I've also hijacked a nuclear missile. And I'm shooting it at your house, people that were being a dick to me online. Because swatting isn't a thing yet. It's not as fun with its visual, but dropping a nuclear bomb on your ass, you poor people in Japan is a swell consolation prize. Anyway, I'm going to start gunking everything up by multiplying a bunch, and so he starts multiplying and replicating himself. And about this time, uh, Matt gets to a library or something, and then Izzy hits the button. Uh, normally he'd have sent himself in there, but he has to keep Ty's mom busy because she's making sandwiches and is worried about the microwave acting up because... Hey, 
evil is as evil does. Anyway, so um, Ty and Matt travel through the cables of the internet and go into AIM where they hang out with their Digimon buddies, use their Digivice powers to get them to their Megaforms to match up with the Megaform that is quickly multiplying. Um, and because there's so many Megaforms, which are just, I believe it's a thousand times more powerful than an Ultimate Form or whatever, I, I don't know, it's just really freaking confusing. But it's not enough, and they get their asses handed to them, but because Ty and Matt are able to travel into the AIM and hug their friends with the power of friendship and courage, which is their Captain Planet powers, uh, they're able to fuse <laughs> with their digital companions, who also in turn fuse with themselves, so they become this really weird four-powered creature that is part two humans, part dinosaur with a shield and part metal werewolf that become the shoulder pads and he's just this giant knight thing with a giant freaking laser beam attached to its freaking arm and um, they shoot with this powerful laser beam they get rid of everything but in order to stop the nuclear missile from crashing into the world they have to destroy everything because uh, meanwhile the MCU guy Kevin Feige is sitting in the theater saying okay this is definitely going to be the plot of Age of Ultron 15 years from now I love it, I love it, I love it. Mwah. And, um... But this guy, when there's only one left, it becomes all Space Invader-like, and he just keeps moving too quickly to be hit by the laser beam of destiny. Uh, and they don't know what to do. He's just too quick, he's too fast, and the Sonic and Knuckles of this group just aren't enough. But then they realize, wait, spam is bad for you. And by this point, because there's a nuclear missile flying, it has become personal and a matter of national and international security, so everybody in the world is watching, and so at this point, um, Ty and Matt, in their super knight form, say, hey, everyone, send your fan mail to me, or send it to my boy Izzy out in Japan, and we can make this work, and it becomes the most successful DDoS attack ever around, so it, it for real is the bad guy in part two is destroyed by a DDoS attack, which is when you receive a whole bunch of data at once and it blows up your server. Because it just it takes too much to uh, comprehend all the data that's coming in. So everyone just says hello at the same time, and then Izzy sends the spam with the best pre-mortem line of all time, when he says, you've got mail! And if this was a better movie, he'd say bitch there. And he sends it and slows the guy down to just the point where he turns his head slowly and creepily before getting his head blown off. And the missile falls in the Sea of Japan, is what I think it's called. It falls over, it plays, um, I believe Mighty Boss Tones. And all that happens, and then Ty, gets, Ty and Matt go back to the respective houses, and as he says, that was amazing! We just saved the internet! Let's have a fucking grilled cheese sandwich! And under most circumstances, dear audience, that will be an excellent climax to a film. Because it was a film that was only 40 minutes, which isn't feature length, so... Uh, that's the end of it. They high-five and say, well, now we saved the real world and the digital world. Uh, I'm gonna text Sora and see if she'll forgive me for throwing up in her hat now that I've saved the world. Wish me luck. And Izzy just shrugs his arms and says, oh, teenagers. And that's the end of part two. 
So now, defying all conventional wisdom on story writing, because really, they didn't have writers, I mean, they did have writers in this one, but they worked for friggin' four kids, so they had to redub everything that was profound and emotionally charged just to make advertisements and sounds a bunch of stuff so they could play another gosh darn ska song. Uh, but they didn't need real writers that know how the plots work. So once we've had our total emotional and figurative climax at the end of part two of the movie, that should be it. But nope, we still have a lot more characters to introduce because we have to tie in the current ongoing season of Digimon Digital Monsters which is season two, which is called season O2. Pardon me while I get all nerdy up in here. It's called season O2, not just because it's the second season of Digimon, it's the second season of Digidestined who have to save the world for different reasons in a Code Lyoko fashion from some weirdo named the Digimon Emperor who will not be showing up in this movie because that plot's just too dang good. It's called O2 because it takes place in the year 2002, which is three years after the events of the first season, but two years from the events of this movie being released, and two years from the events of the last part of this movie. So naturally, they say it takes place four years after the events of the last part of this movie. Because they just have to make everything confusing. Um, and it should also note that this mostly doesn't focus upon the characters from season two of Digimon Digital Monsters. It instead, Digi focuses on some guy in America, because we got to win over American audiences. He gets name-dropped a couple times in the season, in a part of the, of season two that hasn't happened yet. He's also name-dropped in part two of the movie, where he's this supercomputer genius on par with, uh, with our boy Izzy, um, who they work together to create the device that sucks people that have digivices from the real world into the digital world, rather than it just being a portal in a summer camp, which explains, like, the, the Code Lyoko shit in season two, where they have to maintain the real life while going into the digital world to beat up some nerd who's really good at soccer, but he's also really smart because some guy in a trench coat stuck a seed in him and turned him into a Mary Sue only evil. Look it up. Watch season two of Digimon. It's actually pretty good, but that is literally the plot. But, dear audience, that's not the plot of part three of the movie, which admittedly is all just, I wouldn't call it gravy or whipped cream on the... Because the best part of Digimon the movie and the stuff that all the advertisers was for it was all part two of this. So, I mean, I'm probably just going to zip through part three, even though I think it was 2040 or 2033. I don't know. The whole reason why they had to stitch three together is they had to put three movies in to make it feature length. They do the same thing with Pokemon movies. All of them. You remember how in the Pokemon movies they'd have just, you know, Mewtwo strikes back, but they'd have that weird thing about Pikachu's vacation before that. That is stitched on so they can get it to the 80-minute feature length. It's padding out to 93 minutes that I talk about all the time because everything is just an hour long in Japan because they don't have to accommodate for commercials. They just make it an even hour, but 68 long enough unless you're making a Winnie the Pooh movie. So screw you. We have to talk about the kids in America. Whoa. Um, so it, it starts with uh, the new generation of Digidestined, at which point it was just Nicapian Mace, which is Knuckles' younger brother. That is a deep cultural reference, and if you get it, I'm so sorry. It's TK, everybody. Um, and then Ty's sister, and then three new and exciting characters. One of them even has goggles, dear audience. Um, they are 
on spring break or fall break or some type of break from school, so they don't have to worry about the Digimon Emperor or anything like that, because that, that was still definitely going on in the plot of Digimon the series, but it was already over in the plot of Digimon the series as was written in Japan, but we still had to sell it to America. So it's more just a case of, hey, they're just chilling, doing their normal whatever school children in Japan do during spring break, which I guess is just all their homework. No, just kidding. They're enjoying their life because even though they are more successful students and have their stuff more on lockdown, they can enjoy their lives as children during break instead of having homework and preparing for standardized tests. God, the American school system is a shit show. And when I say that, I apologize to any shit shows that I may have disparaged by making that comment. I had to get that in there, and I'm sorry. But they're just doing their normal thing when all their digivices go off and say, hey, somebody is in distress, and that somebody isn't in our world or the digital world. They're in the American world. But the good news is this guy's a tech genius, and through the power of their digivices and traveling through the net, um, they can go to the digital world, pick up all the friendos and friendarinas, and then travel into the American world, which uh, is pretty cool. So they get all them, and for some reason they can be in their rookie forms, even though there's a whole thing about them not being able to get past their rookie forms in the real world. But uh, they just travel around. Uh, the, the girl in the group uh, knows just everybody in the United States, and everybody has, like, a van. So there's just this road trip from wherever the hell the machine that the Colorado guy launched launched them out in, like, Texas or something. So they a bunch of 12-year-old kids take a road trip to Colorado where they meet up with this one guy whose story and the rest of the stuff I'm going to try explaining in five minutes, and I don't think I'm going to have any trouble because once you've gone through the emotional climax of part two of this movie, there's really not much more to say. The rest of it can just be abridged, my friends. So here we go. The ultimate backbone premise of part three of the movie, come to think of it, can be summarized in a mnemonic device, a phrase which here means to the tune of a popular 1993 non-ska tune, which I will relay to you right now and save you at least 20, 25 minutes of exposition. <clears throat> Once there was this boy who got a pair of Digimon when most kids get just one but when he finally made friends turns out that one of them was psychotic and so they're on a road trip to stop his house from burning down Digimon Yeah, so that, that's about it. They're on the road trip because the kid had two Digimon that kind of looked like each other, but they were palette swaps. Um, and one of them digivolved and flew away and said, go back to your childhood house because I'm going to burn it down. He's like, no, I don't want arson to happen. I'm just making new friends. Ugh. It's weird being a preteen genius tech world. So yeah, these new friends are the Digidestin 2.0 who, uh, again, go on this road trip because he knows how powerful his psychotic Digimon palette swap Luigi is. Um, so he needed other people and other Digimon to Digivolve as much as possible, perhaps even into new forms, so they can, again, sell more trading cards 
and sell more merchandising because that's where the reels money is at outside of of course soundtracks which there's a bunch of posturing again the 25 minutes of exposition i covered did that and then there's another 10 minutes of them seeing the forms that we all know and love you know tk's little dude turns into the freaking angel of life which uh when he shows up there there's a bunch of stuff happening uh, but of course, in the meantime, Psychotic Luigi-mon is digivolving at a rapid rate, just like that virus that had happened in Part 2, which I think they somehow shoehorn in because they had to make it all seem like a, a full narrative when it very, very clearly wasn't. But, um, yeah, he turns in, he goes from, like, this weird bunny-looking thing, because they always look like these rabbits. Um, the... The cute little Digimon companion was so cute and adorable that it became one of the companions in Season 3 to a completely different character. Don't, even, don't worry about anything Season 3 or later with Digimon. It's not worth your time. But this was the friend of uh, Tim Willits, which is the tech genius that lives in Colorado or something. So um, that, that's their Mario. That, that's Mario-mon. But Luigi-mon's crazy and turn, becomes an even creepier like rabbit thing. I think it straight up turns into a Wendigo at some point which is a mythical beast that looks like a rabbit, but has a penchant for burning stuff down. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of posturing that, again, I've covered 35 minutes just with that little song and dance routine and everything I've said right here. So let's just get all the way over to the farmhouse in Colorado and what really matters. I mean, after, after they thwarted a nuclear weapon in part two of the movie, does burning a farmhouse in Colorado really matter? I don't think it does, but again... They're doing it in a chronological order, and they have to have some sort of stakes to raise there. So this Wendigo thing just keeps getting more powerful. But I think because a Digimon is the cause of burning a house down, it, like, takes a mask off the masquerade, and then everyone's way of life gets ruined, and they have bigger and better things to do at the end of the season that they're not allowed to explain to American audiences yet because it hasn't happened in the series, so they have to rewrite a bunch of stuff. That's what a lot of part three of the movie is, and that's why the Sweatus is so premy. And I messed that one up again. Why do I keep saying sweaty premise wrong? God. Yeah. Anyway, so they evolve past their ultra-digital angel forms. They reach their mega forms, which I thought only Sonic and Knuckles were allowed to do, but turns out Sonic's little sister and Knuckles' little brother uh, also have the power to turn their Pokemon, <laughs> their digital Pokemon, into their mega forms, which is like these weird angel snake things. Because, I mean, Patamon's angel super mega ultimate form, not mega, ultimate form, was this thing that just makes a gate to heaven and kills anything that goes into it. And that was the entire end of season one, that it finally reached an ultimate form, and that thing was so OP that it just killed Stephen King Itmon. But no, it becomes an even stronger thing for about five seconds. Of course there's eggs involved that they use to armor Digivolve that you never see again except at the end of the Digimon Emperor cycle because it's golden eggs. So Davis, the guy with the goggles, so that means he's important. His little blue dude turns into golden blue dude. And everyone's so powerful, they go up against this mega form that's like mega mega virus powered, which is like the whole thing about digital viruses. Uh-oh. Um... They make some peace. Uh, I think it turns out that Tim Willits had a twin that was also supposed to be a Digidestined, but uh, it's 
like a conjoined twin that's in his spine or something. And they all say, oh, I guess that makes sense. I'm just bitter about me not having a brother and not having friends. So, of course, I got a Digimon companion or two, but one of them turned out to be psychotic because it wasn't supposed to be with me at all. It was supposed to be with my conjoined twin that died in the womb. How nice. But we've made peace with that, and because I kicked your ass so thoroughly, uh, now it just goes and becomes a roaming Digimon, like um, several other things. Because there's a lot of roaming Digimon that existed in the digital world, so now there can be one in the real world. And it makes peace. They hug Mario and Luigi, use their like ear flaps to high-five and say, yeah, be, be cool to each other, bro. And brothers are, are all right, all right? Uh, but then, before we get to the end of the movie, that everyone just goes home and says, we'll hang out in the World Tour story arc six months from now. You get that, audience? But before they do all that, um, they have to have one more song and dance number, which is the one you're all waiting for. Um, the Wendigo bunny creepy dude just dances around happily to <laughs> that song that we all know and love that ends so many movies, and because now we're in this season of I Remember This Cassette, I will just include that meme of a song that stirs up so many memories at the end of the episode. But yeah, they save the day, they stop the house from being burning down, not three years or half an hour after they stopped a nuclear warhead from hitting both Hawaii and Japan, the very neighborhood where everyone's hanging out. So, I mean, after all that, what's a house in Colorado matter? But, I mean... Look, something blazing in Grotto eventually happened because our friend Tim Willits went on to hack the planet and get weed legalized 13 years. Or was it 11 years? Or was it 15 years? Nobody knows. Nobody cares. They were just stalling for time. But it was all right. Buy the merchandise. Buy the trading cards. Buy the gosh darn soundtrack. The end. Final thoughts on the quote-unquote Digimon movie. Okay, it's quote Digimon movie, unquote, whatever. You get the point. Yeah, uh, it's such a weird experimental format when they're just trying to stitch together what constitutes as a children's film off of a beloved franchise from Japanese culture and try and pass it as an American kids movie. There are so many differences, and it translates so weird. I, I admit it. I phoned in the third chapter of the Digimon movie. So did they. It's what everyone does because it was entirely different production teams, production styles, and the second part was seriously much higher stakes. Like, it was a post... It, was, it took place and was made after the events of Season 1. So it was something that had to be higher stakes than the end of Season 1, whereas the part that goes with Season 2 of Digimon actually did come out midway through the season. I believe it was post-Digimon Emperor, but before they started hanging out with the guy and feeling sorry for him. So, it's just, the timing is so weird, and it's not as weird as what the, the, the world tour that I mentioned that takes place in 2002, and they go around the world, including uh, New York City, where, of course, because show was produced in the year 2000 but takes place in the year 2002 they include the world trade center 
And then the episodes ended up airing in 2002 in the United States, but four kids had to edit out the World Trade Center or something. The only part that got weirder is when they got that time travel arc where they went to 1995 and hung out in Soviet Russia. And then they traveled to 2019 and met President of the United States Hillary goddamn Clinton. Because sometimes you get history wrong, and there are the problems when you even make stuff take place two years in the future. You just whiff, whiff, whiff that hard. But... It really is just a time capsule of a film that becomes an unintentional... Sorry, phone calls for days. I just can't not get a phone call. No matter how much I mute my phone, those will get in the way. Uh, yeah. So, time capsule of a film. It is so 2000, late 90s, pre-angst that happens in 2001, before Linkin Park or Good Charlotte made the scene. Everybody just thought Ska was the wave of the future. Turns out it wasn't, but that's what they thought at the time. Um, yeah, really, it's not the same type of production that any sort of film should be, so it feels really disjointed because it is disjointed. You get at all the characters that usually take an entire 26-episode arc to showcase and give highlights to, but you have to include everybody in all their forms. So everyone just digivolves all the time. There's some new characters that they have to show all five or six levels of just to establish them as part of the universe or lore. Because normally it's supposed to be a standalone episode of the series that uh, can be taken as a separate bit, which ultimately the Digimon movie is. It just does it times three and calls it a single cohesive narrative minus the cohesive part. Um, it's really confusing. I, I, I Normally, I'm good enough to try and hammer some stuff together, because I my whole premise is, if I forget something there, I fill in the blank with something else pop cultural, or something amusing, and just kind of build it together and build my own cohesive narrative. But it's really hard to do that when you're running three different stories, and then trying to stitch together three things that should be viewed as separate pieces, and then try and put them together as a single piece. It is just a, a Franken-Digi-Franken-film. Digi-Franken-film, there it is. And, yeah, a nice job. Pokemon still continued to make theatrical releases until maybe 2003. At that point, nobody cared about Digimon anymore. At that point, people didn't care about Pokemon as much anymore. But it's coming back, baby. And uh, that's something we'll get to when we get to on some wonderful Grinch Night night. I, I, I did throw my Grinch Night thing in there when I was talking about the road trip, but it just didn't make any sense. I figured I could just cover things through song more. So don't think, dear audience, for a second that I didn't bring that up. But look, it's confusing. It's weird. It made sense when you watched a lot of Digimon, but if you're watching it on its own, you're going, what the hell's going on, I imagine. So if you really do want to watch through it, watch through Digimon Season 1 and 2, preferably the dub, because i got to get full-on nerd stuff here. It's, it's a hot mess in um, that watching it on its own when it's supposed to be companion pieces to the series proper, which the series proper is pretty solid, even Season 2. So go and watch that. It'll make more sense. But in the meantime, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Tell everybody about it if you did. Uh, I finally got Digimon Movie out of the way. Address that three elephants stitched together, standing in a room. That is that film. 
we'll probably keep it animated for the rest of the month. Uh, get ready for something special and magical, full of the antithesis of Don Bluth, because now we're going to go into the realm of Don Bluth's underlings making their own production companies when everyone thought that animation was the wave of the future. We'll get to that next week. In the meantime, enjoy this beloved song that is indicative of the year 2000 and all that it entails. Toodles and goodbye. <laughs>